Point Church, how's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing well? It is great to see you here this morning. Great to be back with you. Uh, last week, Linnell and I were up in Atlanta welcoming into this world our grandson, who is uh, about a week old. Yeah, I'm excited. Very proud grandpa, I guess you could say. And uh, I've got another grandbaby, a granddaughter coming in about two to three weeks. So uh, it's going to be kind of a a busy time for us as we celebrate uh, more grandchildren, but I, I couldn't be more excited about that. But it's, it's good to be back here with you every time I'm away, even if I'm with family uh, up there or whatever, wherever I may be, uh, I miss being here with you uh, when I'm not here. So uh, it's good to be back and, and really looking forward to diving into God's Word together this morning. I do want to tell you something. I know that Brian mentioned this last week. But I want to mention it as well because I think it's very exciting what we're going to be doing in a couple of weeks. And I just want to invite you to participate in this. But um, in about two weeks on March the 4th, go ahead and mark your calendar, March the 4th, on a Saturday morning at 8.30. And I know that's early. Uh, if you can't make 8.30, try 9.30 or 10.30. If you get there much later than that, we're just going to call you a loser for sleeping half the day away. But anyway... Uh, we want to invite you to come out. We're going to have a, a landscaping party, if you want to say. Uh, uh, we're going to be planting plants uh, uh, around the building and, and just uh, trees that are going to be growing for the years to come. And, and I'll tell you why I'm excited about this. Uh, we, we've been a church now for 11 years, okay? We've been going strong for about 11 years, and we've never owned a blade of grass, Okay? We've, we've never had anywhere for our children to go out and play on a playground or anything like that. And so I'm excited that we're going to have some trees and we're going to have some grass for kids to, to run around and play on. And, and, and you can be a part of planting that. So bring your family out, bring your life group out, bring whoever you want, your neighbor, even if they don't go to church with us, uh, tell them you got something that you really need them to do and bring them out and let's plant some plants. It's going to be exciting. It's going to save us a lot of money too, just getting out there and doing that ourselves. And so I want to invite you to be out there. Here's what I know is that one day your children will be able to say, if you come out and participate, Mom, Dad, we planted that tree. And that'll be the coolest thing in the world, I promise you. Uh, you're not old enough to know that yet. I am. But, uh, but it'll be a cool time for us as a faith family to get out there and just take some ownership and have a good day. So bring your gloves, your, your shovel, bring whatever it is. Because here, here's what's going to be really cool too. After we get everything planted, and I'm not sure how long it'll take, but it, hopefully not too long. But after we get everything planted, we're going to dedicate the grounds to the Lord. Amen. Because he has given us this dirt, he's given us this land, and uh, we want to be good stewards of that. And we want to just say, God, we have this because of you. And so it's going to be an exciting time. I just want to encourage you to come out and, uh, and, and be a part. Uh, and I, I don't want to hear the, the excuse that, you know, I don't have a green thumb, something like that, you know, because it's not your role to keep them alive, just to plant them, okay? And uh, we're hoping that uh, our irrigation and everything else that comes after that will keep them alive. So anyway, just want to invite you to be a part of that. I'm excited about the message. We're going to dive in here in just a moment. This is a, is a good message. I know that for me and Spence uh, and some of the other staff, we've been talking a lot about what we're going to be talking about today. And it's something that has just really just sort of resonated in our hearts. And God has sort of been marinating us in this and so I'm very excited about diving in and, and talking to you on the subject that we're going to be looking at here in just a moment. Let's pray, then we're going to dive into God's Word together. Pray with me if you will. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for your presence in our life. We thank you for your presence in this place. 
God, we're thankful that you have brought us together, that you have caused us all to draw near to one another, and that, God, together as a faith family, we are here to worship you in song, through our giving, and even in the reading and preaching of your word. And so, Father, I pray that today as we prepare our hearts to dive into your word, that the, the message that we would bring today and that we would hear today would be one that, God, we allow you to speak into our life. And so, God, we thank you for uh, what you're going to do in this place. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do in this place. And, God, we just uh, thank you again for, for everything you have accomplished in our life. God, we are, we are better people because of you. God, we love you, and we praise you, and we worship you, and we just absolutely adore you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go ahead and grab your Bibles and uh, open up to Hebrews chapter 10. That's where we're going to go this morning, Hebrews chapter 10. Go ahead and turn there if you will. You know, last week we were looking at uh, purpose, and we were talking about purpose as it relates to God's plan for our life, and, and I want to begin this morning by just reiterating just one of the points that, that uh, Brian uh, mentioned to you, one of the main points that we wanted to communicate in that message last week because it is foundational to what we're going to be talking about here today. And that point was, or this, this, this main idea is this, is that you were created for God's glory. You were created for God's glory. I want you to just hang on to that for a moment. I want you to hang on to that, and I want you to think about that. You were created. God designed you and created you for his own glory. And so as we sort of wrap our minds around that, that truth there that we were created for his glory, today we're going to be looking at, and this is why it's so important for us to understand this, we're going to be looking at biblical community or gospel-centered community. We're going to be talking about the importance of community and why we need to to know that we were created for God's glory. And here's why. Here's why this is so important to, to sort of bring these two together here today. Because the reality is, as we look through Scripture, we see that God displays His glory. God displays, He puts on display His glory through coveted community with His own people. Okay? And so it's important that we understand as we talk about community today, as we talk about what biblical gospel-centered community really is that we understand that if we are created for God's glory, that not only through our individual lives and gifts that God has bestowed upon us to bring glory to himself as an individual believer, that we also, as a body of believers, as a local church, come together and God uses this time, this community that we're involved in here, to put on display to our community in which we live, the community of faith followers in him, and he puts his glory on display through us. Now, that's a, that's a pretty heavy burden if you think about it. But we're going to be looking at this today, and we're going to be un trying to understand and unpack what uh, biblical community really is in gospel-centered community. And I, and I think you're going to be hugely encouraged this morning as we look into God's Word. I was recently reading a, a, a study on, uh, on, on really human behavior. Uh, it was a study by some sociologists, and they were, they were, they were bringing up some, some very interesting points in light of what we see in our world today. But one of the sociologists, one of these, these research papers that I was reading was pointing to the fact that people, people want to be connected. They want to be connected with other people. And one of the things that this article was also 
sort of pointing out is that we today have it easier to connect with people of like interest and, and whatnot than we have ever had before. And so the article was basically saying people want to be connected and it's easy to connect. But here's what was so ironic about the report that I was reading, this study, is that as easy as it is to connect today and as much as we want to connect, we are also living in a day where we as people are more alone and more unknown than ever before as well. Now how could it be that if we are longing for community, if we're longing for connection, if we're longing for the, and, we, and there's so many ways that we connect with, we can connect with, with people all over the world today, online and, and through social media and all these different ways that are made available to us to connect. Why is it that people are more alone today than they have ever been before? And I believe it's because we really don't grasp what community is all about. You know, one of the things that, that you know about community is there has to always be some one common denominator for you to be able to call a group of people community. And as the church, as believers, that common denominator is Jesus Christ. You see, we're all different in here. I mean, I, I don't suppose for one moment that all of y'all are just like me, that you have the same interests that I have. Uh, we're some male, some female, some white, some black, some of different I mean, we're just, we're a very diverse group if you think about it. And we come into this place, but we become community, not because our interests are just all alike, not because our skin color is all alike, not because of, of a host of other things that may, we may look at that may cause us to be sort of individually separated, but we are a community because our bond, our common thread is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen? How many of you celebrate Jesus Christ as your Lord this morning? So our Savior, He's our Lord, and so we celebrate. That's what brings us together. I mean, we all have so many different interests here today, but we are gathered in this room because of Jesus, and that's why we are the church, why we are a, a local body of believers. And so, uh, let's, I'm ready to, to just sort of dive into this this morning. I'm talking really fast because I've got like a six-hour sermon. I want to give it to you all today. Uh, see, they, they're celebrating the same thing. They, they just heard us say that we're going to be here for six hours, and they just got excited about that. But um, let, me, let me just say this before we dive into the text, and I know I'm not stalling. This is just all really good stuff. Crosspoint Church, Crosspoint Church exists to bring glory to God by making disciples through gospel-centered teaching and preaching Gospel-centered worship, gospel-centered community, and gospel-centered mission. Can we all agree on that here? That we are gathered here today, that we know that collectively, while the, one of the, the greatest ways that we can bring glory to God collectively as a body is by making disciples, and the way that we make disciples is through gospel-centered teaching and preaching, gospel-centered uh, worship, gospel-centered community, and gospel-centered mission. Today, we're going to focus on that gospel-centered community. And so let's, let's turn to our passage here. Uh, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 10, starting with verse 22 and going through verse 25. And we're talking about today discovering community, discovering community. I'm not talking about the kind of community in which we live. I'm talking about biblical community or gospel-centered community. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 through 25. I once heard that, that Hebrews was written by a Hebrew 
to Hebrews that Hebrews would stop acting like Hebrews. Now, that's Hebrews in a nutshell, okay? That's the, that's the purpose. It was written by a Hebrew to Hebrews to tell the Hebrews to stop acting like Hebrews. And so what we have here is we dive into this text. We have a, a group of people, a community of people, if you will, who many of which were beginning to, to follow Jesus, but, but as, 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 as they were trying to understand their role in this Christianity thing, in this Christian faith, that many of them were sort of resorting back to their own rituals and, and routines that they were used to instead of following God's plan and purpose for their life. And so he, the author here, he's writing to reveal something very important to the believers that, that may be sort of sliding back into their old ways. He's, he's wanting them to, uh, to understand the importance of biblical gospel-centered community. And this is what we're going to see here as we look into this. You see, uh, one of the things that, that we realize is that if you don't value community, you probably will never seek community. And so the writer here is trying to help us understand why we should value Community. So let's look at this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. He says, Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, like I said earlier, it's been said that, you know, if you don't value community, if you don't see community as important for your life, you're probably never going to seek community. And so as we think about this, we, we must understand that God created us for a certain purpose. He created us for certain things. And one of those things, one of those purposes in our life is that we would be involved in biblical gospel-centered community, that we would be involved in community. And what we come to realize, and this is why we're preaching it in this series, is that community has a tremendous way of contributing to peace in our life. You know, we ask in the, in the first uh, sermon of this series, how many of you would, would like a little more peace in your life? And the reality is all of us love peace. We, we, we don't like to feel anxious, do we? We don't want to feel fearful. We don't want to feel uncertain. We want to have the peace that surpasses all understanding. And there are several things in, in, in our relationship with Christ and, and, and what he is doing for us that allows us to experience that peace that surpasses all understanding. And one of the things that we realize as we do a, a sort of a systematic study of community all the way through scripture is that community is a contributor to our peace. And that's what I hope to, to sort of show you this morning as we, as we dive into the word here this morning. I think it's very interesting how our passage starts out. I want us to look at this. It starts out in verse 22. It says this, let us draw near with a true heart. Now, I want to I just center in on, on two words right in the middle of that little statement there. Let us draw near 
with a true heart. These two words here in the center of this, draw near. You see that? Draw near. This, this idea that community is, is, a, is, is a community of closeness. It's, a, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's the idea of, of really intimacy among, among those who would call themselves community. And we're going to see that the context of this text is speaking directly into this idea of community, especially as we read the, the next few verses. But here, the, the writer says, let us draw near. And so it's this idea of very deep friendships taking place, of intimacy taking place, of closeness taking place. As the body of believers come together and they draw near together, all for the sake of biblical community. And so here we see this beginning to take place as, as we start off saying, let us draw near with a true heart. Now, the verse 22, it continues, and it says this, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Look at this now. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You know, one of the things, if you're here today and you celebrate Jesus in your life, you, you have come to this realization that Jesus has forgiven you of your sin and he has saved you and he has washed you clean as snow, right? And we celebrate Jesus in that way. He is our savior. He is the one who is able and capable of forgiving us. And, and he has sent with us, as he ascended into, into heaven, he sent for us the helper, which is the Holy Spirit who dwells within us as believers in Christ Jesus. And so we as believers, we are in this process of being sanctified or being made holy or being made pure by the Holy Spirit of God as he helps us in dying to self and living for Christ. And so there's this process of us growing and maturing in our faith and growing closer. And so as we read this, we begin to see this truth, that biblical community, it creates a safe environment for us to grow well. When I use this word grow, I mean to mature well, to be sanctified well. So biblical community, it creates for us a safe space. Now, now this is where it gets tricky because I need to explain this, but it creates for us a safe place where we should be able to grow and mature well as followers in Christ Jesus. And here's what most of us in this room know. That's not always the case. I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with people who say, I've been hurt by the church. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had where people who, uh, you know, on the street where, you know, as you start inviting, they say, no, I, you know what, I've had enough of the church. But that's not what the church is supposed to be. The, the church is supposed to be a place where people can come into, discover Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and then find a safe place where they can grow well in their faith with other believers who are also growing well. And so it becomes a place where, really, listen to this, no perfect people allowed, because the only perfect person in this room today is Jesus, amen? That's the only perfect person that's in this room today. It's not us. We come in here understanding this truth. We come in here understanding this truth that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Can we just say that here this morning? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so let me, let me just say it like this. You see, we come into this place, this place of biblical gospel-centered community. 
And, and it's so easy, we fall into the trap if we're not careful, for people to walk into a place called the church, to walk in and to, and, to, and to hear all the things that you're supposed to say and hear the things that you're not supposed to say. We begin to learn who Jesus is and who the church is intellectually. But, you know, we, we understand those, those, you know, how to say things in a Christian way. And we, 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 we learn what to do and what not to do. And we, we, we learn when to raise our hand, when not to raise our hand. We, we learn those kinds of things. And the thing is, is that oftentimes when we find ourselves doing those things, it's not genuine. And the reason it's not genuine is because we don't see the body. We don't see the community as a safe place to be ourselves. We, we, we tend to be fake in how we live out our life because we certainly don't want people to think that we're not a Christian. We certainly don't want people to think that, that you know, we have problems We don't want the church to know who we are. And what happens is we're not living out biblical community. Instead, we're putting guards up so that nobody knows the real me. But biblical community, real, genuine, gospel-centered community should be a place that is safe for us to all grow, to well, grow together well. You see, and, and really, it doesn't even have to be like that. And I'll tell you why. If our relationship, if my relationship with you and your relationship with me, if it's built upon the premise of, of, of the very starting point of our salvation, which is we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, then it shouldn't surprise you when I'm lacking. And it shouldn't surprise me when you're lacking. Because the starting place for our relationship is for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's only when I have greater expectations for you than even Jesus has for you that there begins to be a problem. And so we as believers, we need to understand that biblical community should be a safe place where we come in here not wanting to have permission to sin, but rather to know that we're all in the process of being sanctified by the Holy Spirit of God and that we're in a process of growing uh, toward holiness, dying to self and living for Jesus, that that's all part of a process and that none of us have any place in judging one another. This is biblical community. This is biblical community. And so we see this this passage where, where the writer, he's, he's saying, man, this is, this, is, uh, this is what you need to understand. There's great value in biblical community. There's great value in, in living out your faith together. And I get it that there's a lot of churches that, that may not see it that way, that may not be living that way, but, and, and I'm not saying that we have it figured out either. I'm just saying that we must strive for this kind of community. You see, God's design for community was never to be a place where, where we face daily judgments over our struggles. It was never designed to be a place where we face daily judgments over our struggles. No, biblical community is to, to be a safe place where we can struggle together. That's what biblical community is where we flesh it out together, where, where we grow together. Listen, listen to me for just a moment. You, you know, let me just say this. I need you in my life. I need you in my life. 
We're going to dive into that in, 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 a little bit, in a little bit here in just a moment. I need you in my life, and I, I believe that you need me in your life too. I, I believe that. I believe that, that I need you, each and every one of you. We all are contributors to this thing called biblical community and this thing called Cross Point Church that not anything we've created, but what Christ has created, and he has brought us together to live out biblical community together in this place with him doing the work in our hearts and I'm here to tell you, I need you in my life. You may think you're insignificant if you're here today and you, and you say, I don't even know you. Well, get to know me because I need you in my life. And I think you need me in your, in your life. And we need each other in our lives as we live out biblical community together. Now, here's the second thing. Look at verse 24 and 25 with me. I love this. What we see is biblical community pl- provides a place of belonging. In verse 24, it says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. I love the directive of premeditation. It's, it's, it's almost like a command to me. It is a command and a command to you that we would consider. It says here, it starts off, and let us Consider, you see that? Let us consider how we can what? Stir each other up to love, how we can stir each other up to good works, how we can, you know, be there together, we can meet together, how we can encourage one another. I love this directive of premeditation because here's what it says to me. Here's what the command of God's word says to me. It says, as I approach this community, as I come to work on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, as I come into this place, that I must be intentionally considering or pondering or studying or thinking about how I can come in here and as I get around my brothers and my sisters that I can stir them up to love and good works, that I can, as I come together with them, that I am thinking about how I can come in here and encourage them when they are in desperate need of encouragement. When I come here on Sunday morning, as I'm driving to church on Sunday morning, I am commanded by God's word to think about how I can come in here and encourage you and lift you up and, and, and move you to a place not of division but of, of love and, and peace and goodwill toward all people. This is what God's word is saying that biblical community is all about, that, that for every one of us as believers in Christ Jesus as we come into this place, we are literally thinking, how can I serve my brother and my sister. Not how can I come in here and see what it is that they're wearing today and, and, and spout all kind of trash about them. Not how I can break them down. Not how I can be divisive, which is what the world seems to be about today. Our world is teaching us to draw a line in the sand and choose a side. The Word of God says come together in biblical communities as brothers and sisters held together by a common bond and a Savior named Jesus Christ and encourage one another and lift one another up and be there for one another and be the church. It's a place to belong. Why do we do this? What, what is it that, com, you know, that compels us to do this anyway? 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 tells us how. When we read this passage, it says, for the love of Christ, it controls us. I love this, this idea that Christ has accomplished so much for me. 
that when I think about what Jesus has done for me, when I think about everything that he has accomplished on my behalf and what he has done for me, he, that he loved me despite the fact that I was still yet a sinner. He went to the cross and he died for me. While yet I was still a sinner, this is what Jesus was doing for me. He loved me that I could then love him in return. And this is what our text says here. It says, for the love of Christ controls us. When the Spirit of God gets hold of us, it saves us from who we used to be to who we are today in Christ Jesus. We are moved and we are, medita- uh, we are motivated by and driven by and compelled by the love of Christ. When the love, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all. Look at this, that those who live may no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for us. That's the heart of a true disciple of Jesus Christ. One that doesn't think so greatly about himself, but has the interest of the body in mind. That makes a place not only be safe, but welcoming for all who would come to know Jesus. That's biblical community. That's gospel-centered community. Love must be central to biblical community because God is love. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, he once wrote these words. He says, whether it is brief, single encounter, or the daily fellowship of years, Christian community is only this that we belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. We can only love the way Christ wants us to love by the love of Christ that's within us. That's why we began this whole series with a, with a study on redemption. It begins with Jesus. And Jesus gives us purpose. He gives us direction. And he draws us together in Christian community. The last thing. I've got 20 seconds to finish a, two more hours worth of notes here. but 13 seconds. Okay, here we go. Biblical community hates sin and fights it together. This is the last thing I want to point out to us. Biblical community. This is very important. Biblical community, it hates sin and it fights it together. You see, the reality is every one of us in this room struggle every day with the flesh, right? We struggle, we, we, we fight. We're in this process of dying to self and living for Jesus, but we are always being tempted by the sin in our life. It's, it's always coming to us from different angles. And so we're constantly in this process as individuals to shun sin in our life, to pursue holiness, to live for Jesus. And it gets overwhelming sometimes. We, we don't want to sin. We don't want to do the things that we don't want to do. We want to do the things that Christ wants us to do. So we're in this constant struggle with the flesh and, and the spirit. We want to live by the spirit of God. And we want to die to the sin that so easily entangles us. We know that we are doing that as individuals. But what we see 
in biblical community is that we are also to struggle with this together, okay? And, and so we begin to understand this, this idea that we are to, in this together, that, that we need to all be helping each other combat this thing in our life called sin. We shouldn't have to fight sin alone. If we go to Romans chapter 12, verse 9 and 10, it says this, let, us, let love be genuine. There's love again, talking about the, the, really the, the starting point for biblical community. And we're talking about biblical faith family community here, even in Romans 12, 9 and 10, because of what we see in verse 10. But it says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, and hold fast to what is good. There's this, this command from God's word that says, do away with evil in your life, do away with sin in your life, and hang on to what What's good, okay? So there's the fight right there. There's the battle that's taking place. And in verse 10, it says, love one another with brotherly affection. There's the family aspect being brought in again. Brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, brotherly affection. We love each other, so we should help each other to fight sin in our life. Let me just say this. Every single one of us in this room, every single one of us in this room has a blind spot. We all have blind spots in our life. You know what I'm talking about when I say blind spots. If you're driving and you're going down the, down the interstate and you decide you want to change lanes and you, you put your blinker on, you start going over, and all of a sudden that horn blows and you didn't see anybody over there, that's the blind spot. That's, that was the, the disaster that only almost took place. And so you jerk back over in the other lane. You never saw that car. You were like, where in the world was that car? It must have been in my Blind spot. Well, we all in our Christian faith have blind spots in that every one of us have sins, certain sins that may be sneaking up on us, may be coming at us. We may not be able to see it, but in Christian community, in biblical gospel-centered community, oftentimes our brothers and sisters can see that there's sin approaching in someone's life. And what biblical community says is that we've got each other's back. We you know, here's what biblical community does for us. It goes to our brother and it says, hey, man, listen, I, I think there's an issue that you need to be made aware of in your life. We do that with Christian love. It's called accountability. Call it whatever you want. But it, it, it's, it's going up to a brother or a sister and saying to them, man, I see this in your life. And you might need to take care of it. Shame on us. Shame on us if we look at our brothers and sisters afar, knowing that sin is about to destroy their life, and we have the attitude of, well, I hope it all works out for them. I hope they make it through it. That's not love. That's not looking out for each other. That's not biblical community. When I was just a kid, I had a, a neighborhood friend that I was very close with. In fact, our whole family was very close to this family, and his name was Mike Wilson. And one day, he was on his bicycle, and he was riding down the street. And, uh, and he was just riding along, just kind of enjoying the day. And he turned to do a U-turn to head back home, and when he did, he turned right into the path of a car. And the car hit Mike, and Mike flew off his bicycle, and he hit the road, and it killed him. It was a devastating time in my life. It was, it was a really hard time in my life. And, you know, I, I thought about what if I had been riding 
bikes with Mike that day, I would have said, hey, Mike, there's a car coming or, or whatever. I mean, you know, all these thoughts went through my mind, but it was a real struggle for me so that by the time I had children of my own, one of the greatest fears that I had was I, I didn't want my kids to be out in the street and get hit by a car and, and die. I just did, I couldn't deal with that. If that ever happened, I couldn't deal with it. But as a parent, shame on me if I look out my window and I see my children playing in the street, a busy street, and I say, well, I hope it works out for them. I hope they see the dangers that exist. That's not what I'm going to do as a parent. That's not what I'm going to do as a parent. No, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to say, girls, come here. And I'm going to call them out of the street and I'm going to talk to them about the dangers that exist in their life. You can't, you can't go out there and play in the street. You're going to get hit by a car and it's going to kill you. You can't, you can't do that. That's what we should, we should be there in the same way for our brothers and sisters. As we, This isn't judgment. This isn't judging one another. This is loving one another. I literally did this. I called my two girls one day and I said, you see that dead raccoon in the road? I, I seriously did this. I said, do you know what he was doing before he got killed? He was playing in the road. I did that to my little girls. Five years of counseling, they were better. Okay? I mean, it terrified them. But they're alive. <laughs> they never got hit by a car. The other day, one of, the, one of my girls said, Daddy, you remember when you used to tell us about the raccoon in the road? I said, yeah, I'm going to tell it to your kids too. First, first road kill I find, I'm going I'm to pull them over. Check this out. Rocky raccoon, he's playing in the road. That's what happens when you play in the road. I'm going to protect them. I'm going to look out for them. I don't, I don't want them to get injured. And so what we see in Scripture is that biblical community, it hates sin together. It hates it. Together we should, we should shun what is evil and we should cling to what is good. Together we should encourage one another to, to do the same thing. Galatians 1, excuse me, Galatians 6 verse 1 and 2 says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch of yourselves, lest you be tempted as well, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Biblical community is about having each other's backs. It's about watching out for one another. Can I just be real honest with you here? I, I could care less about being the largest church in town. I could care less about, about being the, the, the hippest church in town with the best music. I, I could care less about any of that. What, here's, what I, here's what I pray for for us as a church, that we would be known as a church that is holy and that lives for Jesus, that watches out for one another, that's unified by the Spirit of God to where is the community, as they look into this community, as they look into this community, they would say, I don't know what's going over there, on over there, but there is something different. 
Those people over there, they're not drawing lines in the sand and, and picking sides. They're unified by something. There's something happening over there. Even Jesus said to his disciples, he says, you know how people will know that you're my disciples? When you have a great love for one another. I, I, I pray that the, the community in which we live would be able to look into this community of believers and say, those are disciples of Jesus. Those are disciples of Jesus. Let me just say this in closing. The Bible knows nothing of solo Christianity. The Bible knows nothing of solo Christianity. And maybe you're here today and in the, in the, the biggest the biggest philosophy that you've wrapped your mind around is, well, I've got Jesus, I don't need the church. That's not God's plan for your life. And, and, and let, me just, let me just ask you this. If, if that's where you're comfortable, I got Jesus, I don't need the church. If that's where you're comfortable, let me just say this. You're going to probably hate heaven. Because we're going to be drawn near in community round the throne of God, worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're going to be tight like family. We're going to be drawn together by the power and the presence of a holy God. And if, if you feel as though you can do this thing alone, you're missing out on the greatest blessing on this earth until you get to heaven. And you're going to find it pretty lonely up there as well. The Bible doesn't speak of solo Christianity. The Bible speaks of gospel-centered community among believers. And we can do that in a lot of different ways. Here, here's what I want to acknowledge. I'm, I'm not saying we do it right here. In fact, what I'm probably saying is we have a lot of work to do to get it right. But it's important for us to know as a body of believers that God has called us together to do life together all for the glory of God. He displays His glory through a coveted community with His own people. So I don't know what God has spoken into your life today. Maybe it's, the, it's this truth that you need Jesus more than anything else in your life. Maybe it's that you need community and you, you need to answer. I mean, you have questions that you need answers to, we are here for you. Maybe for you this morning, your greatest act of worship is to stand and sing with all your heart the songs as we close out this service, or maybe to come to this altar and just spend some time with God thanking Him for what He's done in your life. But this I know. We need Jesus Christ, and we need each other. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for your presence in our life. Thank you for, God, the wonderful presence of your Holy Spirit. And God, as we stand here today, God, all in need of, of a peace that surpasses all understanding. None of us like anxiety. None of us like worry and fretting. None of us like loneliness and God, all of those things just contribute to a real lack of peace in our life. And God, as we look into your word, we see the, 
the means by which we can find the peace that we so desperately need. And God, we acknowledge that it starts with you through redemption. Father, I pray for those that are here today that God just may not know you or may not be certain that they know you, God, that you would just, Lord, speak into their heart. God, I pray that for all of us here today that we could find purpose in our life and understand that that purpose, that main purpose in our life is to bring glory to you, that you created us for your own glory. And God, help us to know here today that we can't do this without you. And honestly, we can't do it without each other. God, we need you. We need each other. Thank you, Jesus, for being the common denominator in our life. Thank you, Jesus, for being that one that binds us together. We love you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, we pray.